Got a little high-low for you, Sean. Right up right up top in the uh, the cold open. You ready? I'm ready. Hit me. Uh, does this film have higher or lower than Zero Snakes you neglected to tell me about? <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Dungeons and Dragons on oh our Monk's Beats next. I'm so Top three movies based on games. My number three is uh, 2000's Battle Royale. Now, this is the... Um, Ooh. Yeah, have you seen it? Have you seen Battle Royale? The uh, the one that... Does it's kind of like count? the Hunger... Isn't that like... It's like based it's a game on of a tag. Manga it's, it's right a, right. No, 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 no. You know, it's a... Um, a, a game, uh, 40 some odd ninth graders, mm. if, you, if you've never seen it. 40 some odd ninth graders are marooned on an island. And they essentially have to play a deadly game of tag with the uh, survivor being the winner of this uh, this game. So awesome movie. I think I came by it from a Tarantino recommendation. So that's my number three. Uh, number two, this is probably uh, more in line of what Sean's thinking. Does the name Sarah Whittle mean anything to you, Sean? No. Uh, any last words? Jumanji. What? Oh. <laughs> Jumanji. <laughs> my number two is 1995's Jumanji. Starring Robin Williams. He was a big oh, part man. of my childhood. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I That movie scared the fucking piss out of me. Something about oh, really? that effects work. Yeah. Yes. There's something about that effects work was really unsettling. I remember watching that movie as a kid and then just being like, nope. Anytime <laughs> it was ever on again, I was just like, no, thank you. Uh, I mean, and I, I've since come to love it or whatever, but yeah, mm. I, it's it's not one that I know uh, by heart because it, it that effects work just really got under my skin. I can't wait to talk about that in, in relation to this movie too, because awesome effects works there, and, so, and I feel like some uh, this this um, uh, film sells uh, shares lineage in that as well. Uh, my number one, going with 1998's He Got Game. Spike Lee <laughs> game of basketball wow. show. He <laughs> got you. Probably the best um, basketball ga- uh, basketball movie game, committed to film. Game of basketball. <laughs> I, you know, I was like, oh. you hit me with Inception last week, motherfucker. I was gonna- <laughs> you know, that's it's fair. It's fair. So for me, uh, number three, I went with uh, Clue. Obviously, mm, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, and then like uh, number two, I yeah, Clue's great. And then mm-hmm. uh, number two, I went with uh, Clue, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, there's a, then, a different. Oh, no, no, the same movie because it's the fuck. It's the clear only choice here. It's the like iconic. Oh, dude, I, what, best. You know what? Oh, bring yeah. like Mortal Kombat. Like I was gonna hit you, you know, with I, Mortal Kombat. You know what's, or the what's first, funny uh, is like Mario movie? all yeah Mortal Kombat the first Mario movie those are all fun movies to watch and they're all near and dear to my heart but mm-hmm. Clue I think is the only it's it's so far and away above the rest of the class in in these movies based on games where it's like there's not a single demographic that does not love that movie and will not and like in the same way it's like one of those movies where it's it's playing on comedy central when you walk through the room Mm -hmm. you're gonna end up watching it like you you know you weren't planning on sitting down and watching tv but clue is on and then you're like find yourself like it's been 45 minutes and i'm like absorbed into this movie uh like you know what's weird is that i love that movie that, that was a movie for whatever reason in my high school 
and maybe even yeah i think it was maybe just high school but when it was like a, one of those like rainy day or like a substitute teacher needed to throw on a movie <laughs> for whatever reason yeah, it was like tommy boy Clue, um sandlot yeah not a bad list uh welcome to make me watch we're a couple of failed filmmakers but forever students of cinema on an eternal quest to watch more movies i'm your host uh, eric elliott i'm joined by my co-host listen uh wizard of the midwest mcgee is what they used to call him sean mcgee how you doing there brother I'm doing great. I got my dice. I'm ready to roll. <laughs> awesome, brother. On today's show, we have our main breakdown of Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Amongst Thieves. We'll get into some uh, general spoiler-free thoughts in our exit interview section up top. We'll dive into some spoilers afterwards as we dig into the film's uh, plot performance and our favorite behind-the-scenes stories. And we'll wrap up with a few things, including what we're watching next week. Without further ado, let's get into our breakdown of 2023's D&D. Here's the thing. We're a team of thieves. And when you do this, you're bound to make enemies. Sometimes those enemies come looking for revenge. Truth be told, we help the wrong person steal the wrong thing. We didn't mean to unleash the greatest evil the world has ever known. But we're gonna fix it. So how do we pull that off? Uh... Figure it out over a drink? Probably best. You need to... Then give us a fighting chance. We're gonna need strength. You got this, right? I know you don't. We also need courage. Magic. And you. What is that again? That was from the trailer of 2023's Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Amongst Thieves, written by Jonathan Goldstein, John Francis Daly, and Michael Gillo? I think it's Gillio? <laughs> Photographed by Barry Peterson, starring Chris Pine as Ed, Michelle Rodriguez as Olga, Holga, Justice Smith as Simon, Sophia uh, Lillis as is it Jorick? Doric? Doric, yeah. And Hugh Grant is Forge. This is the film that Sean made me watch for this week. And Sean, we got to ask you, why did you make me watch this? Uh, mostly, so I did. I I wanted to talk to you about this because I this was a movie that I was looking forward to coming out this year, and I I talked about a bunch with my uh like you know Dungeons and Dragons people, um and so I was curious to make you watch this partially in retaliation for Babylon, but also because I wanted to get somebody who was, you know, kind of unfamiliar with this world and see mm-hmm. uh, what your take on it was. And, and uh, you know, also I do think that these directors are exciting. I think, you know, Game Night mm-hmm. had a pretty strong reception. Um, obviously everybody, they they were also writers on uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I think that especially with this movie i'm i'm excited to see where they go after this and and who picks them up from here what what they decide their next big project is because this is a a pretty big step up from what they've been working on in the past Mm. um yeah and then uh, also i'm just a dungeons and dragons nerd so i will relish (laughs) any opportunity to talk about it so uh why obviously i know I probably know your answer to this question, but why did this, why did this miss you before now? 
I don't think if I tried, like if I got up real early and meditated and, and really pushed myself, like like no pussyfooting around, just gave it my all, I, I don't think I could care less about the genre of fantasy. <laughs> uh, I... Fantasy is among the bottom rung of my genre interests, right down there with uh, with horror and musicals. Um, you know, I saw the trailer even before you mentioned it. I heard fairly positive takes, but but I just wasn't interested. Uh, on another deeper subconscious level, I wonder, like, if the fact that each of the members of our main team are starring in franchises, I also don't really have much. Uh, interest in right now i wonder if that had something like maybe this is a b team of of uh <laughs> of actors and properties i'm just not into it so you know pine with star trek rodriguez with fast and furious justice with uh, jurassic park uh it, so it was, it was a combination of elements of things i really don't care about and people who are um you know um uh, gravitating in universes I'm just really not involved in so it was all kind of a, a big miss for me but um that that that's kind of that, that's that's kind of the big reason for missing it so uh yeah I'm not surprised there but now that you've seen it what was your what was kind of your immediate reaction a uh, truth be told this wasn't a bad time uh if, if you're not a fan of the genre if you've never played D uh, if you're like me and you just immediately disengage when a friend starts talking about the intricacies of the Underdark, uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd still kind of recommend this for the whole family. I think this is a really great, solid four-quadrant filmmaking. Um, it, it's not going to set the world on fire. It's not going to reinvent the wheel. Uh, but it's going to make its money. It's going to satisfy its base. You know, it's really funny. There's there's some great gags. There's some great set pieces. Uh, I think there's a beautiful interplay of uh, practical and visual effect work. A uh, visual effects work that um, sort of makes them some really fun and inventive sequences. Uh, but there's a real mixed bag there visually, which is partly a letdown. And uh, by the same token, when they do get it right, you know, it, it's uh, partly a joy. Um, Overall, I really enjoyed the uh, group chemistry outside of Justice and Safina's like really god awful courtships passing through the night bullshit thing that was going on. It just, yeah, uh, Chris I find to be real, real uh, charismatic and he's he's really fun. Rodriguez is always really solid, so I was happy to see her here. Um, I really enjoyed her line readings personally. She had like this casual, quiet, like still rivers run deep sort of nature to her. And uh, Hugh Grant kind of really takes the piss out of everything, so it's oh kind of fun God, to see he's so you know, good him there. He's so fun. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, everybody's having a good time in this movie. Yeah, you know, so it, it's nice to just kind of just kick back for a couple hours and, and have fun with a group. And I think that was a, initially one of my issues with Lord of the Rings. Um, uh, it's just I, I just couldn't get into the group. Like, I just wasn't, this wasn't a group I was all that much, you know, uh, having a lot of fun with, you know what I mean? Or, or that I felt that there was much yeah. chemistry between all the characters. But here is the opposite of that. Like, I really kind of like the chemistry of the group. Um, I think there's got to be some way to kind of cut out 10 to 15 minutes here and bring this film under two hours. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think that it necessarily needs to be the runtime that it is. But then again, this is a quest, and, and uh, large parts of it are mission quests. So I think the length kind of adds to the sense of a hero's journey, and it, you could justify it in in that way. But uh, overall, I had a good time. I, I didn't um, I did not write hate this one. So and it, it takes I'm, a lot for I'm me to, to uh, <laughs> yeah, it takes a lot for me to uh, uh, to get on board with the fantasy film. So yeah, that was uh, those those are my feelings. All right. So that being said, McGee, when was the last time you saw this film? Uh, well, I mean, it came out this year, but I did uh, actually catch this one in theater. Mm-hmm. So I, I I got out there and 
and and I I wanted to see it. I was I was excited for it. Uh, looking forward to it since the trailer has dropped, and then I also kind of did want to support it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, want to see more movies like this get made. I want to see more movies like this get made in other genres. I like that this is kind of a D&D movie with a very particular bent towards a like mm-hmm. heist setup. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it would be cool to see other movies in the D&D universe in other genres, let other directors like play around um uh it with different takes on it or whatever. Um D&D sci-fi of, or D&D musical. I mean like yeah, that. D&D musical. I mean, I'm sure it could happen for sure. Uh Dude. I was thinking more horror uh, uh I mean the thing but with uh spellcasters is like rad. Yeah, fuck yeah. D&D on ice. <laughs> uh yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> Uh, this this movie feels like an old fashioned uh, like physical DVD. I would have on the shelf. Like if I was a kid mm. uh, when this movie came out, I would be watching this movie nonstop. Like I would be looking for all the Easter eggs and and layers and details. Um, this feels like one of those like old fashioned DVD like pouring through the extras uh, type of movies. I think yeah. For whatever I'm getting, like a Pirates of the Caribbean, the Curse of the Black Pearl kind of vibes. You know what I mean? From this, maybe yeah. not as well written, but definitely got to get in. Uh, <laughs> kind of getting those yeah. kind of vibes from it. Yeah. yeah. I want to cast Magic Missile. A room where he's cast. Forces of darkness. You can control dragons. Where the dragon army at night. Hi, Sean here. This is an ad break, or rather, it would be if we had advertisers. Personally, I worked in advertising for almost a decade, and I'm in no rush to sell dick pills or subscription boxes. But if you want to support our fledgling podcast, there are better ways to support us at the moment. Follow us on your podcast service of choice. Leave us a nice review. Find us on social media at Make Me Watch Podcast. You know how this goes. At this point, though, in my opinion, the most important thing that you could do to help us out is to send an episode to a friend that you think might like it. Maybe send it to someone that you want an excuse to talk to more help us turn this into a little community give us feedback you know and if you really want to send us money we do have a patreon all right let's get back to the episode all right mcgee uh getting into our focus group segment here uh the scene that you would show someone to get them to watch what do you got for us what scene did you pick i i I was struggling i think if you're if you're going for the humor i think you go with Mm -hmm. the the speak with dead scene yeah, uh, I think, that, you, I, yeah, I think that that's my honorable mention. That's probably yeah. That's that's yeah. The, the, the the best question mix carousel of, of the dead is, is what I went with. But yeah, it's so funny. And then the yeah. I think you get some good with the flashbacks. Uh, they they have mm-hmm. you know they they assembled an army of extras with like mm-hmm. if you if you watched any of the the featurette stuff. Uh, he like one of the the weapon uh, you know the armor on the film is like very proudly going through all of the like custom weapons and ideas that they had for each one that in this battle scene with like 80 people just like hitting beating the shit out of each other that they're cutting to uh in those little flashes mm-hmm. um so you get a mix of the you know it's it's a very funny scene but you get a, a cool mix of the like practical effects and the big fantasy world building um can can I just say something real quick thing about this scene? Yeah. Uh, so this is what I was um, uh, kind of alluding to earlier when I mentioned just really solid four quadrant, big budget. <laughs> like this is what you hire screenwriters for that they do well. It's to um, synthesize, I think, concepts 
that may be a little alienating to people who aren't with uh, you aren't the D and D crowd. So I'm not sure if this is. I'm assuming this is some type of spell. They, they seem like they make. Yeah, some this of- this is this is one of the most direct, like out of the book things that they copy. Is like this spell it operates almost exactly how it does in the movie. And and I think it, it could probably feel a little silly in the wrong hands. I, they they kind of even do a. Um, uh, a wink and nod at like Y five questions, and well, you know that's just that's just the that's way, just it, the way, it, just way it, the way it was written. Um, but they sort of distill that, and then somebody you can tell uh, Goldstein and Dale are just true fans of the uh, franchise because what could be funny about that, and and how they could uh, inadvertently ask a corpse five questions that they were didn't mean to ask, and then have this whole up. Um, uh, process go awry so I, I, it's it's funny things like that that i think um when you see filmmakers who are true fans of the property and um have that sort of ability to synthesize and distill things that that are kind of maybe silly or maybe that's not fair but or a little alienating i'll stick with that uh, to people who aren't within the uh, the actual franchise kind of making that funny for everybody <laughs> and like how this it's, could be used as a funny yeah yeah, it's it's a really delicate balance to find, and, and like sometimes it takes that outside eye to see mm-hmm. what's funny about something, and sometimes it takes that like you know really intimate knowledge to pull out the like the silly details and right. take them to their like absurd conclusion. Right. Um. I I you know, regard you know whatever the the creator's history here. Like I I think that they really do uh, an excellent job of that, as you say. So what what was your scene? What's your scene you would show somebody to get them to? So that was my honorable mention. The um, I forgot what you called it. I just called it the question carousel of of, of the dead. Uh, I went with the reverse magic heist. Uh, so you mentioned earlier that this was a uh, that was my show. that was my runner that's up. So too? that's great. Yeah, synergy. The, the portal uh, heist. Yeah, because I think this is again the um, the next example of taking what's interesting about D and D to some players or, or players you know within this universe and extending that you know uh, giving an olive branch to people who aren't. So I'm a uh, we spoke of noir kind of being a, a genre that I love and an umbrella under that or a subgenre under that is is heist. So that, that's definitely <laughs> right there of um, in my wheelhouse of things that I love on film. Um, <clears throat> Seeing a heist that's uniquely a D and D style heist is is was just awesome, uh, and and in the way that, how inventive that scene could be, uh, there's a mixture of visual and practical effects with with her kind of going in and out of the mirror, uh, her flipping in and out of the mirror that I found to be really kind of cool. Uh, but each yeah. of their own um, skill sets, his planning, uh, her wild shape shifting, uh, her I, I, you literally just had the uh, barbarian there, her ability to just kind of hold on <laughs> to people who are falling <laughs> in and out of this mirror. Uh, yeah, and I love her uh, comedic bit too in the wide where she's like kind of like uh, is waving her hand. And it's like holding um, Justice Smith's legs. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's really fun. It's really inventive, and and it's uniquely D and D and kind of uh, that genre mash. But I found this scene to be really enjoyable. So I think if you're on the fence about something like this, uh, this is the scene that kind of really kind of reels you in. Totally agree. Did you? Uh, what, what were your thoughts on the sequence? I'm, I'm kind of curious to hear you talk about. That's a layman talking about that scene. <laughs> oh, you, I love it. No, you, you, you hit on most a, yeah. of the most of the same things that I wanted to say about it. I, I do think like it's interesting. The the portal itself isn't like a direct, you know, t- not the taking hither, anything directly. Sword, right, that's not like a D and D thing. No, I mean, the, there's like magic items and like, uh, 
there's spells that would do like a similar thing, but there's not really like a putting a portal on the wall. Like they're definitely mm-hmm. taking from like the portal video game language there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the in the the spirit of the scene where you have the rules to an item and you're trying to come up with a plan where you're like, okay, technically I'm allowed to do this with an item. And so you come up with some like cockamamie like shenanigans that you're like, okay, could I cut off part of painting and put a portal inside and then seal the painting back? And like you look over at the DM and they're like (laughs) sitting there thinking about it and they're like, yeah, I guess that'll work. And you're like, yeah, like that, that, that's the part of the scene where. It, that feels very uh, true to the spirit of D&D, even though they're not showing mm. the dice rolls and the DM mm. and the, the players behind the characters. Uh, you you can kind of feel that spirit there, even though they're, they're not breaking the fourth wall at all, which I, I find very, like, that's that's a, a, a really, you know, hard uh, thread to, to, hard needle to thread there. And at the same time, I think it's an incredibly complex sequence i know in some of the making of stuff that i watch they talk about the actors and the editor and the producer are mm-hmm. all like we have no idea what the hell is going on and the directors <laughs> are just like trust just trust us know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh and, and it all you know comes together in the end in, in a really really tightly choreographed sequence that is really really like true and mm. like minds the physics mm. of the situation and the rules mm. of the magic for the the drama and the stakes and the action in a really mm-hmm. smart and fun way, and that's what I what I kind of meant where I was like I, I'm excited to see what property these directors uh, decide to tackle next. Mm-hmm. Kind of has a little of a um, of a um, why can't I think of my guys from uh, uh, Spider Verse? Um, the Phil Lord and yeah, Phil Lord and Miller, uh, uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Um, and Chris Miller, yeah, uh, it has a little feeling of that, like where they they can just or or uh, uh, fucking DC um, James Gunn has a little bit of like like for whatever reason these guys can kind of it feels like get really into the weeds of a property but still make it accessible. Um, yeah, they have a talent, yeah. they have a knack for that. Uh, what did you catch in this viewing that you had noticed before, McGee? I'm curious. Um, I mean, there's there's a couple, there's a little like a, a few of the D and D monsters, like they they have some like deep cuts from the the just monster manual. I, my my one that I caught this time was the rust monsters, and in, in towards the beginning is these like dog sized fleas that eat metal, uh, wow, and you it, see like two of them. Is you that see, the like, prison sequence? Is that like the over. like where they're bringing the prisoners in? It, it's either then or um, like towards the beginning when when Holga and Ed get. Uh, captured like right before the fake beheading fight mm, sequence. Okay, it might be it might be in that sequence too. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there, there's there's tons of of layered uh, references to you know monsters and, and and you know in the maze sequence especially. Obviously, uh, there's a lot of stuff uh, nice. just like cameos and 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 monsters and even the um, the other teams. Mm. Uh, the I don't know. Uh, there's like a D and D cartoon from the yeah, 80s. from the eighties that they end up in the cage at the end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's the they're like costumes are like styled after yeah. that. So like yeah, they're like really recognizable as like D and D characters. Uh, even funny. if you're not particularly familiar with it. Uh, a little yeah. Easter egg. Yeah. 
what annoyed bother you on your first viewing that you come to forgive? Uh, and I, and we'll get into a little bit of what's not working for either of us. You know, I I'm I'm curious to hear where you come on this. I I feel like the fight scenes are all a touch too long. Like they just they. Mm. I didn't hate it. Especially, no, no. Especially the Mm -hmm. uh, Holga's two extended scenes. I feel like are just like, I I, you could cut just a couple beats out of there and and make Mm -hmm. it just a little bit tighter of a sequence. Um, I don't don't hate it either way. I'm sorry. Go ahead. The oh oh and the the fight in the underdark with all of the. the assassins that like keep coming back or whatever. Mm. That was another sequence where I was like, we, I only need like half of this shot. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like you could, you could really cut most of this. Yeah. Um, I'd agree. I think even, even if the dragon was just the big threat, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not really even sure. Yeah. Just have a real quick, brutal, intense uh, fight. If you want to do, if you still need that, that face off and have it, you know, the, the tension or the joke, mm-hmm. however you want to play it, come from it being interrupted, right? You know, so you'd you'd have like just the briefest setup, or you know, you even do the like Indiana Jones, like you know they're squaring off and they're gonna have this big epic duel, and then it gets smashed over by the dragon, and you know everything mm-hmm. gets fucked up. But I, I think they just really wanted to have a, another sword fight scene because they were excited to choreograph sword fight scenes, which like yeah, fuck yeah, I would be too. But I, yeah, that that scene was a little bit too much. They're not the worst. They're they're, they're by far not the worst. You know, fight choreography um, sequences that I've seen. So it didn't bother me. In fact, I was kind of I was, I was more just impressed with Michelle Rodriguez and you know her, her ability to to get up get up and active. Yeah. You know, at this point, they're like, wow, and she's, she's uh, still kind of killing it. So it didn't necessarily bother. But maybe the length and and like you said, the Rajon Page one uh, or Reggae Page one, I'm just like not a huge fan of to be to begin with. Um, that that yeah. sequence in in because it, it didn't really feel like it amounted to a whole lot, and they were really easily dispensed. So I, I thought they were going to be more of a threat for how they were presented in the film. Uh, yeah. So it, yeah, yeah. They, I, I, yeah. Totally agree. I I think uh, a, another thing that they maybe didn't work for me that I've softened on uh, in this viewing was the uh, dead wife under the linen sheets flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, and when I was in the theater, I was like, really? Like, we're doing, like, just straight up dead wife under the linen sheet flashback? Like, would not, no, perfect, no perfect remix makeup. in it. Yeah. No, yeah, perfect no, makeup, yeah. yeah, no, no, uh, <laughs> no, like, subversion of the cliche at all. Just straight up dead wife linen sheet, sunlight, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. hair light back, you know. And, you know, whatever, the, I, the, I think the reason I softened on it, they do try to motivate it with the dragonfly bit, mm. where that's kind that of representative memory, of his wife. Yeah, yeah, and, and he is he sees a dragonfly in real mm. life, and he gets transported to that memory mm. specifically of them hiding under the sheets from the dragonfly. So it like they do a little bit of legwork to try and justify the bit. So I softened on it a little bit, but yeah, I remember in theater just being like, "Wow." Let me tell you a little something that's not working for me. Um, I, I'm gonna condense a lot and just mention this. Uh, one, one of the things that 
kind of annoys me a little about fantasy or any kind of period piece in general. Uh, one of my favorite bits in Babylon we were talking recently is when the spear kind of flies into the uh, tent that Brad Pitt is in and it like almost hits him. And instead of, uh, uh, you know, being annoyed about almost being killed, he screams out, uh, we need better aging on the props. <laughs> and so I feel that way <laughs> about everything uh, having to do with costuming and props and uh, the environments work for the most part, but I don't. I don't understand why aging can't be he- done better in in some sequences or circumstances. So, for instance, like this morning I was pouring some juice and I spilled a little juice on my shirt. <laughs> it's just human folly, you know what I mean? I uh, I've um I've at times got up from a chair too quick and just ripped the side of a pocket or something like that or the end of my hat will fray yeah. or something like that. Like I I really wish and, and that, that seems like it, it's costly in the time consumption that uh, um that a a costume designer and a prop artist would need to to do but i think it's worth it to kind of create that lived in sort of effect to it all the costumes here felt stain free and evenly stitched yeah like people wear clothes that they don't fit you know what i mean people will have clothes from decades you know like i got this you know 20 years ago and it's still, like i'm wearing i'm wearing a shirt that i've had for i don't, I don't know like 10 12 years now or something like that it's like a shirt that i got when i was moving or something like yeah that. like i really wish the nature of of, of props and, and clothing and aging these sort of things were, were given a bigger consideration, and um, it's, I, I'll, I'll, I'll bounce back on that because I, I I think that what you are bumping up against, I would guess, is because for most of the main characters, there's so much stunt work that they have to do. They probably have 10, 12 different versions of their outfits so that mm-hmm. they can cut them up and put pads under them. They have ver- versions for their stunt doubles that are getting like ripped up and replaced. So, you know, they, they're, they're, you, you, it's hard to do aging in an identical way for 12 copies of the same costume. So I think that's why the aging looks better on the stuff that they didn't have, that they're, you know, if it's a character that's coming in and out of a scene and isn't getting strung up to do wires, then they don't have to do multiple versions of that costume. And mm-hmm. that one probably looks a little bit more natural and aged versus the stuff that Michelle Rodriguez and Chris Pine are wearing is, you know, going living what through say- all that, that stuff. So I, I, I think some of that is just like technical considerations for the amount of stunt work uh, that is being done in the, in the film. Here's what I'll say in response to that. Uh, with stunt work, things are moving really fast, depending on what the sequence is. So your eye is a lot less drawn to that. So it's not even in the the the, the fight sequences that I'm having an issue with. It, it's more of them riding horseback or them sitting and eating just a turkey leg or them just standing around and having a conversation with Rajon Page in the, um, in the Harper's Library to where I'm just looking at the clothing and I'm like, this doesn't look as if, you know, that that's an easy fix. Do you know what I mean? If this is going to be the main uh, clothing on your principles and they're just in a sequence where they're standing, uh, give me a little rip in that cape, you know what I mean? Or maybe this thing doesn't yeah. fit as well as it, as it should. Uh, that, that, that's think, an easy I fix. Think, so yeah, I, I, I see I, what you're saying in consideration, but that's I'm a little bit more forgiving if you don't see some of that aging stuff in the fight sequences because things are moving so fast, you're not necessarily catching it. My, my eye is catching it when, when people are a little bit more still. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, w- well, I would say like at that point, you have to, they, well, I would assume they made that consideration ahead of time. So like the 
the reason that the the costumes are looking a little too smooth and perfect in the scenes is because they they made the decision to to pare down and simplify the aging for the costumes for the sake of consistency between all of these copies Mm. uh instead of having it uh kind of jump around in consistency and 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 trusting you know because like you said you like you you, this i do feel like this is a movie that that lends itself to to being rewatched um and so you know maybe maybe you know that's a, a consideration that they had to make i don't know I think you're, I, am, yeah. I, I am really proud of you for having all those like proper names, like the Harper's Library and everything. <laughs> I was, like my my cold fucking heart is just like uh, warming hearing you say all these D and D names. Ugh, I love it. Okay, let's take this film into Grover Cleveland's presidential time machine, twenty XT six. Uh, it. What do you think? Does this movie work? Uh, we, we, uh, we did- how, yeah. We didn't talk about where we were going to put this movie, but I think we have done this, and I think it was a disaster. The 2000 version of this film it seems like we mm. went back 23 years. That's, I was going to bring that up. The Jeremy <laughs> yeah. Irons. Yeah, uh, they tried it. Uh, it's you bad. thought some of the sequences on here were weak, yeah. That one, and not like again, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna praise some of the visual effects, but there are some here that are just in the 2023 version of the film that I'm like, mm, man, I, uh, for a like, film, like what? I'm curious. Oh, dude, like take um, uh, so Sophina like doing the first like energy lightning thing uh that looked better when palpatine did it in like the uh and the george oh, lucas yeah, uh, remakes and, like, and there's a lot of that there's a there's a lot of like uh different like special effects things that are that are really uh poor. like uh justice smith falling off the roof onto michelle Rodriguez's horse like the blend <laughs> that looks so shitty it looks so poor <laughs> um oh just I, I more highlighted the stuff that I liked. I didn't. I didn't want to get too bogged down on on, on things that I didn't like, uh, as far as the visual effects. But there is a mixed bag when it comes to the visual effects here. Uh, yeah. So uh, I'm I'm curious as a you know obviously a, a non D and D player. Uh, was there something that you didn't understand about the film in particular? Yeah, I got something for you. Uh, Tams is it Tam Zams? Tam Sams? Who's the red Zast-tam. witch? Tam. Sass Tams, Sass Tams Jamboree on the eve of the solstice. Uh, l- l- let me <laughs> let me talk about this scene for a little bit. Uh, the residents gathered for a celebration on the Colosseum built atop a mountain. Right, no food, no drinks, no festivities of any kind. It didn't like there were any party streamers. They look at anybody had any like like dancing. We're talking or about music. the flashback, right? Not yeah, the, the flashback not the, one, right? Not the climax, but the, not yeah, not, okay. not the climax, sure. but the flashback, right? 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 Uh, no festivities of any kind. It, it looked like it was gonna rain. That was the other thing we were. Out there and just their t-shirts and the skies nobody has an umbrella nobody put up their hood or anything it's weird um and they're looking upon their red cladded council members with face tattoos and skulls for faces as if those yeah. are our leaders yeah. this is where we should be nothing about that scene and i it just it, it it's one of the things that kind of frustrates me i don't i um i'm gonna kind of be working through my thoughts on this right now but you see this kind of sequence in a lot of fantasy or genre filmmaking when they go back in the past and they have to, something happen with the townsfolk or something where it, it it doesn't feel as if they're they're creating this flashback to serve the purpose of the story that's happened present uh, presently like we need to establish 
they created an army. Yeah. But then when you bring the camera or you bring it, it's, it's like people don't feel like people in that time. And that, that's what I mean to say when bringing it up. It's like, yeah, if this is a party, no one, no one yeah. looks like they're doing uh, it. This is supposed to be. Uh, why would you trust these council member members that look like I don't think it's I don't think it's explicitly a party. Uh, yeah, that's what they say. They gathered them on the top of them for a celebration. Like that. That's the line that. Oh, uh, I didn't. That I didn't know Rage that he says that he said celebration. Is, is, yeah, it's like we're, we're gathered here for it. Yeah, and that's what they do at the end. Like the end of the film makes a whole lot more sense in terms of how we want to sell gathering people. Like you need to make it look festive or, or so that you're trying to trick people. The way it was handled in that flashback was really poor, and it just something I just didn't understand I, I, at all. I was like, totally. Why yeah. like this I, I get what you're saying as a criticism for sure and like as a criticism of these scenes in general uh mm. absolutely like just serving the plot above serving uh an interesting scene yeah uh yeah, or, or making fair. these people feel lived in or real <laughs> or this event seem real this event doesn't seem real it seems manufactured manufactured for this backstory so yeah. I, but I mean, you are literally like you're being told a story out of a book, so you get that heightened kind of reality of a retelling. You know, maybe that's is, um, that's if you're being generous, that's uh, that's an interesting way to kind of think about it. It's like this is you know this is maybe distilled from legend, so it is yeah, not exactly that's kinda, in the way that it took place. But this is kind of the the feeling, you know. That, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, this is the way that it's like read on the text, which is like right. you know loses some of the nuance or whatever. Right. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Uh, let's throw it to a break, huh? In a faraway world. All people deserve to be free and equal. The child is. All right, Eric, let's go to the multiversal casting couch of madness. Is there anybody that you would have liked to see in this movie in another universe, or is there an actor that you think in, in every universe they are essential to the DNA of this movie? What you got? I feel like Michelle Rodriguez is so strong. As a barbarian, I I think she does work in every universe of this movie. Uh, I think she's almost essential and an anchor point uh, for the team. Um, like I said, she has a real disinfected sort of uh, plain spoken, but real honest uh, delivery yeah. <laughs> to her performance. Uh, her chemistry it, is just great. Yeah, so I, I like her a lot. Um, the one person I did want to talk about uh, here, real briefly... Um, I want to give somebody some praise, but I did want to see, is Chris Pine having the career trajectory he should? What, what, what do you, as I'm watching this I, and I'm listening you know, to some of your thoughts about, you know, the Babylon episode and how Brad's pit role could have been recast. We don't bring up Chris Pine at yeah. all. Chris Pine almost feels like he doesn't get the same. Been... You know what I mean? Like, like, why do we think, of, why yeah. do we never think of Chris? <laughs> when, you, when you think of some of these, like, did he attach himself to the wrong franchise in, in Star Trek and that didn't really kind of take off in the way that it should? Did, should? Should he have waited for the Marvel Universe? Like, why isn't Chris Pine having the career? Because when you see him here, it's like, that's a good question. Man, that, that dude is, you know, he's a solid leading man. Like, why doesn't he have yeah. no, higher agree. profile projects? What, what, what are your thoughts? Like, uh, sh- should he be bigger? I, 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 I totally think he should be bigger. I think he's, he's incredibly funny in this movie, uh, mm-hmm. without like ever going overboard to the point where he seems like too insincere. Mm-hmm. Like he's got a good, like Jason Bateman-y, Okay, yeah, there. That's a good composite. I I know that we're going to argue about um, um, reggae. Reggae? Reggae? Reggae. Oh, you want to bring this up now? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Reggae. Uh, John Page. 
Reggie's been. Uh, uh, this is his second strike for me. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> this, this is the what, second what, was, what was his first strike? Uh, the Gray Man. Have you have you seen The Gray Man on Netflix? Oh no, I didn't watch that. That was like uh, I, that's some like fucking uh, yeah. what's a uh, that's like ambient in a movie, man. That looked like the most boring shit. <laughs> Ambient in a movie. That's actually not bad. Uh, yeah, it, was, it wasn't great. Uh, and his performance is was not great in an already terrible film. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So here yeah. is, I mean, is they, where... They give him some really tough dialogue in this movie. Like, he, they basically give him all of the, like, the worst expo- exposition mm-hmm. dumb dialogue. Like, the driest shit. Because they know that the character is already landing like that. So, like, you mm-hmm. might as well just lean into it and, and make him be the one that dumps all the stuff so he he they give him some tough fucking mouthfuls of of nonsense to to spit out and and he nails it to be to be honest like uh, yeah i don't i don't think he's entertaining in this role i don't i think he's they he he feels like he's in the wrong movie and i think that's the joke that they're trying to do with him yeah Dude, hard disagree or uh, strong disagree <laughs> on Rage on Page. I, I feel like yes, you're giving a mouthful of of um, crazy exposition, and this is the um, the most florid Shakespearean, you know, Elizabethan type of of of, of real in the weeds D and D shit that we have to kind of get, uh, communicate across. But there are actors, yeah. and we've we've talked about these actors that that can kind of do that well, like Ian McKellen. So we're talking about uh, Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. Somebody does it awesome. Kate Blanchett, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> does it awesome, you know what I mean? So is it is it hard to do? Yes. Is it possible? Yes. And I just don't think I, that. But, this but actor... was he asked to do that? I think that he, I think that he did what was he was asked to do. I think that the the joke. I, I just that I, the, no, the I, I don't even think his line delivery. Into. I, well, I, more... I, th- I feel like they're leaning into him being stilted. Like I, I you know, like I, th- I think he is supposed to be abrasive because he's supposed to represent so much of the opposite of Chris Pine's character. So you know, he is you know giving these <sighs> speeches from this very elevated, uh, heightened, mm-hmm. you know, right. uh, delivery. But, but the... This isn't the first time we've seen like a humorless um, sort of droid yeah. character that does this, and and uh, so maybe Dave Bautista in the Guardians uh, franchise, like his a part of his personality is real. I guess he'd be more of a barbarian uh, kind of type. Than and and he that's, would, but, there's but his even line. A, deli- there's even a scene where Michelle Rodriguez and and uh, yeah, you're no fun. They have that little exchange where yeah. she like says like, "Oh, is is he's a son of a bitch?" And he's just like, "Oh, you think corruption lies right. with his mother or whatever?" Right, and right. Even in that scene, you kind of realize like, "Oh, these are a little bit too." variations of the same person same right where and they're she's, both taking she's a everything a little too she, literally and she yeah and, and so that you're you're absolutely right i do actually she has a little bit of iphone face uh like I, her teeth are I, a little too straight oh that's interesting i like i like, like that terminology she, she just has face. like perfect yeah. she just yeah. has perfect teeth the whole time yeah, and i yeah. really that was one of the things where i was like i know you know it's a little rude to ask to fuck up somebody's like face right. that much, but can like I would really want to like really just like. Sorry. Can you just like get a little bit of shit stains on there or something right. just to be right. not so pearly white? Because like yeah. it, yeah, it just 
them like this perfect shining pearly white staring at me for all of her barbarian yeah. lines uh kind of that, that didn't, that, didn't uh, that didn't bother me but i could i could see somebody like really into and then i was bringing up aging she like, ends up aging, she ends like, up being like, honestly uh it bothered me in the beginning and then she's so good in the role that mm-hmm. i just ate it and and you know i, I accepted it because it was worth it for how good she is in, in her delivery and her chemistry with the rest of the cast you know who has zero chemistry in this cast, though, is poor <laughs> Sophia. <laughs> oh, that's come on. poor Doric. Hard uh, on Ray J. <laughs> I got. Oh, I, I like her chemistry with the group, but I don't like their. Ki- uh, they have no chemistry together. Her and Justice Smith. Like she has nothing to do in this movie. Like she has. She has action the high sequence, and you don't think the, the, the wild shape. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Like she, she does a lot of like wild shape action mm-hmm. scenes but like mm-hmm. Sophia as an actress is given mm-hmm. nothing on the page like she's just reacting mm-hmm. to people the entire time mm-hmm. and like we the only time we get her like wistfully looking out the window is the most like eye-rollingly annoying cliche and it never goes anywhere like i she's so fucking boring mm-hmm. not her fault at all as a as an actress i i think that she was really given nothing on the page um, I would have, and this goes into the, the you know the multiversal casting. I would have mm. loved to see a version of this movie with a more physical performer. Um, Did you have anybody some, in mind? You know, not no, not anybody in, in particular. But I'm, I'm thinking mm. somebody that's like maybe with like an acrobatic background, or you know, just somebody who. Because she's, you know, even when they're, they have the couple, like, the bit at the end where the owlbear is just, like, doing the Hulk smash on the, the bad guy. Where yeah. she's just, like, I was gonna, beating I was gonna the shit out of it. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, that doesn't, that personality in, when she's wild shaped into the animals, like, never comes out in her personality when she's oh, walking around as a person. Like there's yeah, just zero yeah. personality there. She's just a quiet, meek girl who's occasionally a raging fucking owl bear. Mm-hmm. And I, I would like to see a little bit somebody maybe do something more physical in the performance in with the like transition or with the mindset. I don't just hate something. that. I think that's that, that's fair. I don't hate that at all. One more thing in the multiverse uh, casting couch of madness. Uh, let's talk about the Cooper cameo. <laughs> All right, so I think yes. that was a big uh, hidden cameo in the film. Uh, that this was is another thing. Uh, what in, I, oh, go ahead. Th- this is another thing to where the visual effects are poor. Like you really yes. appreciate like the work that came across and building Bil- Bilbo Baggins into that universe and making him feel, uh, you know, uh, natural next to Ian McKellen's you know character. So that that's what I'm talking about. Like where it's a mixed bag of visual effects because <laughs> it's just like, uh, but his cameo was so awesome that you're oh, so forgiving of disag- it. I, I was vibing like with you. I was vibing with you on the first half of that because just hearing <laughs> hearing my boy like talk about Ian McKellen and Lord of the Rings as right. a, as an upstanding uh, like uh, you I, know I gave, I gave him credit for the visual to effect, be reached. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the visual effects, but also like you were saying, like him being mm-hmm. able to, to chew the, you know, like right, there, there's yeah, so yeah. many parts of that. I just I I love hearing you say all of those things, <laughs> but uh, I thought that so you the, weren't in love. You didn't like the cameo. You didn't like a, no you didn't the like Bradley Cooper cameo. I actually was uh, something that I missed. I meant to say in some what was one of the things that annoyed me about this movie, mm-hmm. and not something that I've come to forgive because <laughs> I think that whole scene 
if if they didn't need to get the staff from that scene for the hither thither staff, right. you know, portal stuff to make sense. If, the if they could find part, some yeah. other way, yeah, if they find some other way to get the group that staff, and you can cut that whole scene out of the script, I would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, I'm going to push back on that because I actually think, again, that that's for the uninitiated. And I found it to be really funny, uh, particularly when he comes up to the door with that smile looking up. Uh, I, I, this is one of those things that I feel like uh, for those of you who do enjoy that joke or who did enjoy that joke, uh, then taking it to its most logical conclusion of having them have this really heartfelt conversation and understanding. And it, what I, I, it added another dimension to her character in an interesting way where um, I didn't ex- expect to be, what am I trying to say? I didn't really expect to be that invested in her background, but with her, uh, with, with their conversation and uh, Cooper's character, Explained it like, listen, I try to create a home for you, but you were really obviously obsessed with the decision that you made, and that sort of, you know, uh, uh, yeah. separated us. You know what I mean? You, you essentially um, uh, were unable to get over the um, over this decision, so we had to move on. I, I, I thought it was really sweet. I thought it was really sweetly handled. I thought it was uh, some some interesting backstory uh, and exposition, and I, and I thought it was kind of really funny uh, to see. Uh, um, both of them have a type, obviously. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, they, they should get it to hers <laughs> at the end, and and, and uh, uh, you know his new uh, his new girlfriend that was you know that has been going on for about a year. So I found it to be funny. Uh, what performance would you like to pick up and drop in another movie, McGee? I mean, I want to see Hugh Grant like chewing this much scenery and having this much fun. Any time that Hugh Grant wants to do this role, I would I would love to see him do it because he's so much fun in this movie. I, I, he should be the villain in every children's movie, like from here on out. <laughs> children's movies, <laughs> like you know, sure like cause he's got that. that, but he's got that kind of like whimsical uh, yeah. villainry in this movie, right. with, like like yeah. him complaining kind of like a about Tim the Curry. Tea. Do you remember like like yes, if, if you know, like, exactly yeah. like a Tim yeah. Curry? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. we we called, talked about Clue in the open, like right, no, he's right. he's exactly on that Tim Curry vibe of like. Yeah. You're a bitch, but I love you. Like, <laughs> like. <laughs> That's funny. I uh, love it. Me, I love it. I'd like to. Uh, I'd like to pick up uh, Rajon Page's performance and drop it into the 2000 version of this film, and never have to watch it in this <laughs> one. <laughs> Damn, cold, stone cold. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I actually may think about cutting that, dude. That a little, is that, that too gonna, mean? Is that yeah, too mean? That may be just a little too bitchy. You, ta- you, gotta, you gotta let me... You think about it. You Sleep know, on let, it, let, text me. Let me say me, some forgiving thing about it. Like, I think him as a physical actor, his fight scene while extraneous or while we just didn't... You oh, know, he's hot. I, you he's, yeah, so, like, he's, a, he's an attractive that, man. Like, like um, Beyond his attraction, I mean, like, certain people don't look good in any kind of physical activity. Do you know what I mean? Like, like that's one of the things I love mm. about John David Washington is you can tell he knows, um, how to move his body yes. on screen. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, I feel totally like, like in, in, in a large way, him, his battle sequence and him moving, like he feels like somebody that can like handle himself and, and he moves really well on screen. I just think his, his, yeah. 
actual his 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 tool set as a performer is is really unconvincing to me, dude. Like like I I don't believe anything he like. And, and like, I did, I'm, I'm going I, off two I, performances now. I'm like, oh, dude, <laughs> I don't know if this guy has the. Yeah, I'm not sure what people I, are I, seeing I, in the casting room when, when when this dude's performing. I'm like, oh, I don't I don't know. This is so. This is the only thing I've seen him in. I haven't. I didn't watch like Bridgerton, and I haven't seen. Yeah, I, I didn't either. Yeah, yeah. So I, I've only seen him in this, and I don't feel mm. like there's a lot. I don't have enough text on the page yeah. for him. You know, there's no depth in the character right. that he was presented. Right. So I'm not going to judge his performance as lacking depth when mm-hmm. there's there's very little uh, given to him on the page. Right. You know, I, I maybe a different actor would have, like, demanded a little bit more in mm-hmm. order to be able to get into the role and he was mm-hmm. satisfied just slotting in and having a good time um like that would be the closest i could come to like giving him a criticism for this cuz you know mm-hmm. like maybe but uh it does feel like he was doing what was asked of him mm-hmm. uh even though that i don't think that that necessarily uh takes away from any of your criticisms mm-hmm. uh, i just i don't i don't think it like I don't pass any of those judgments on him as an actor. I don't think you do mm. either. Uh, uh, I think you're just. I mean, I don't think he's a good actor. I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I don't. I don't think he's. he's but how, when you saw him in the Gray Man, the Russos aren't exactly pinnacles of directing. That's true. Like, like you know what? So that's fair. You're you're absolutely right. Like I, I, you know I need to saying? see. And like, I didn't see Bridgerton so, or, or Bridgerton, so I, I I do need to see more. But. I'm I'm really unconvinced in in these. In, yeah. yeah, I just don't. I don't. Right, yeah, it, yeah. I don't have a. I don't have a anything to judge him off of yet. Yeah. Um. So we we usually do the uh you know if you're dropped into the shoes of the main character how does the movie play out from there but I want to twist it a little bit. Oh, okay. So we we have uh Michelle Rodriguez is playing uh Helga as she's the barbarian. Mm-hmm. So in D and D, you have these like classes. You have barbarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Pine is the bard. Mm-hmm. You have uh, Simon is the sorcerer. Uh, Doric is the dru- shape shifting druid. So uh, if if you're if you're the main character in this story, what class are, is your character? Are you a, a a sword and shield guy? Are you a magic guy? Are you a, a sneaky rogue? What what's your what's your class? See, I knew you were going to kind of ask that even when I was like, that, that's kind of what I meant about uh, wanting to attack this question. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think I would be more of the bard, if I'm being honest with myself, like where you're kind of the planning yeah. guy. Um, it, a little bit of schmoozing, yeah. a little bit of planning. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel that that would be most naturally my lane. But I, but I could also, like, I'm a, obviously, uh, listeners can't um, uh, see me at this point, but I'm a bigger dude, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 6'2", and I've I'm got a pretty big half on me, so, like, I could see myself doing the barbarian thing as well, do you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. Uh, so it's maybe a mixture. I, I don't think the magic thing, because I wouldn't, I, you guys see how difficult you wouldn't want to get into the enunciating some things. <laughs> so <laughs> pronouncing some things here, so I don't think I would get some of the incantations wrong. <laughs> you know I mean? uh, it, it fucked that all up. <laughs> and um, I don't really want to turn into a snake or <laughs> a whole lot of animals. I don't have enough love 
for every animal in the animal kingdom <laughs> to, to want to turn into one. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. That's that's where my, about, that's where we you? would make a good team, as always, because I would definitely <laughs> go the Druid route. Like I definitely, you would know, you, really? you know me. Oh, I mean, I yeah. I lived out in the desert. Like you know, I yeah, I would yeah. I would go just go live among the animals for a while, <laughs> uh, shapeshift, go fly, and <laughs> like that sounds that. amazing. Yeah. That's that That's that, that incredible. I would absolutely be the druid, and then I would be a more interesting character than the druid in this movie. Sorry. <laughs> Ash, your podcaster of choice of once weekly make me watch is right for you. Proven to reduce time spent ambling through streaming services and alleviate dull commutes. Follow along our shot for shot segment on your social media platform of choice with links provided in the show notes. Make me watch. You will. Contact us if you observe any of the following reactions upon exposure. An overwhelming desire to suggest a film, a burning need to correct our pronunciation, or excessive pocket change. Special thanks to Nick and Jay Shoot, Mike from Fail in Hollywood, and Adam from Potter Together. Additional music provided by Kevin McLeod. Full credits in the show notes below. Coming back here for our shot for shot, and this is where Sean and I are going to just trade off a couple of the uh, shots that stood out to us. I wanted to say something really quick before we get started. Uh, something that I found interesting after listening to several episodes and how we're both approaching this segment. I, I think Sean is, is definitely approaching it from more of the traditional, here's how something was composed, here's how something is lit, here's how... Um, uh, you know the, the the more technical technocratic there's uh, elements of that shot for some reason I'm, I'm picking shots that there's a feeling i got when i when i saw it and i wish uh, yeah. like sometimes i wish i approached it more from your mindset than i than i do from my mindset but i like the kind of blend of the two so i'm definitely picking shots that i i more em- they hit me on an emotional level than they did more where i'm like cuz you're you're the glove bit in the babylon episode was <laughs> like wow yeah i like it but so, i wouldn't have thought of that in that moment you know what i mean had you not brought that up or that, that wouldn't have been a shot why i would pick that i i more pick shots like there's a feeling i'm getting looking at this that, um, that's interesting that you say that though i i i, I agree and like i think sometimes i'm gonna be a mix of both for sure like yeah. i do think i'm like leaning into my strengths a little bit like i definitely yeah. i come from lighting Absolutely. and camera background and so i i know that that's the kind of more interesting thing and, and the, one of the things mm-hmm. that I can I have fun talking about for any length of time that anyone wants to listen to me um, mm-hmm. but like for instance like I, I I'm, I'm gonna actually uh, jump format here and, and talk about one of my shots because oh, nice. uh, my my first shot is from the uh, the the first high sequence when the gang gets busted uh, it's when uh, she's the the big bad sets off the time stop spell and you it's a close up of one of the guards as the time stop wave goes across her face and you see one eye pointing to frame left and then you see as the time stop wave moves across you see the the other eye move right and Mm. and she ends up getting locked with her eyes pointing in two different directions Mm. for that that image is like the image that stuck with in my head from this movie for so long like when i would think about this movie months after seeing it in theaters like this was the image that got stuck in my head for some oh, reason wow. like it it was just such an inventive way of thinking about the mechanics of this spell that you've seen at the table and how that would look uh in the real world and like how that might feel in your physical body like it, it is just such a a visceral shot that that got me so excited about like okay I'm, I'm in to see th- these guys vision like that's a really cool thing to think of 
and, and that's the kind of stuff that gets me excited about filmmaking and so i'm excited mm-hmm. to see uh like kind of what come else comes out of these guys brains uh, so that that's that's actually it's funny that you brought that up about the the concept of the thing because that is why I picked yeah. this shot. It was way the more feeling. of a gut reaction than yeah. anything uh, technical. Yeah. Uh, but so let's let's I want to kick it back to you. What's what do you got? What do you what did you some of your favorite shots? Oh yeah, so uh, my my the shot one of the shots that I picked uh, was the. Um, uh, so I like my inserts, right? So we're going to remember that for our sake moving forward <laughs> between two uh, between the two of us. Um, I, I don't feel like, like, don't pass off your inserts to your B squad. I feel like take your time, like, compose, give it thought, you know, to where it's going to be placed in the edit and how it's going to fit in the cut. Um, this one in particular, I like, you know, the high frame rate, slow motion of the glass kind of running, rushing into uh, the, the amulet or the, uh, the eye of the amulet there. It, there's... I, I think you could probably come up with some sort of force, like shit storm rushing at something beautiful, visual metaphor, if you if you were really inclined to, oh, uh, to stress yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? But but I like the thought, like of something being like. Uh, so if you're you know you're bringing in a jewelry case, like the beauty of that, but just seeing like the destruction kind of come in into the the eye of the jewel or the eye of that thing, and, and, and the cut that happens immediately after that of you seeing. I, I believe it was uh, Michelle Rodriguez that's bashing, or maybe it was Chris Pine that's bashing in the window, and then you see the rest of the jewelry there. But I love that you picked this shot, and I love that that's what you you were talking about too, because this shot uh, I had saved a screenshot of and then decided not to include it but i i love this shot because it's all those things that you said that Mm. 100 true my favorite part of it is that it's motivated is that they they Mm. these directors uh uh jonathan goldstein and Mm -hmm. john what's john francis john Uh, francis daly yeah um they they do such a good job of do, using these like this filmmaking language in such a motivated way and these mm. shots that you've seen before kind of like we talked about with the babylon these like paintbrushes right and tropes and ideas that you've seen before but like it's not just a beautiful insert with these like incredibly backlit jewels and the mm. slow motion of the glass shattering but the line that he says over it is like really in sync with the feeling Mm. of the shot where he says Mm -hmm. it's intoxicating when you realize that what separates you from what you've always wanted can be as thin as a pane of glass yeah (laughs) and like that line it goes so hard yeah. And it really like that line is so beautiful yeah. that it justifies how beautiful that shot is, you know, and and I, I think that that's really why that shot hit me as hard as it did is yeah. that like it was motivated and like you mm-hmm. see like those really overly elaborate, overly beautiful insert shots can be right. jarring sometimes. And right. this wasn't one of those times. And, and that was why I felt like it was why. So I, I, like I, I commend you on your choice there because I 100 percent agree. Yeah, yeah, no, I like you tacking that because uh, um, the motivation isn't something that my mind hit first. But now that you kind of put it all together, I, I think that's exactly what I was reacting to when I was seeing it. Is the combination of his line reading of that, like the pane of glass, and then just the way that the glass kind of hits at it. Yeah, yeah, nice dude. Yeah, this is why I like talking film with you, brother. What you got next? Hell yeah! Uh, the other shot that I picked uh, was the volcano erupting uh, as they cross on horseback. Uh, this was like from midway into the sequence of the film as they're assembling the team. Uh, a little note about this shot. I almost saved it for my, you know, later in the sequence, but this is a real volcano. 
Was it? I was going to really, ask that. I was like, did that was so was that really erupting they, as they were doing that? Yeah, yeah, they sh- they went to Iceland to wow. shoot uh plate photography and they just happened to catch this mm-hmm. volcano erupting while they were shooting plates. So that is a that is no CG at all. I mean, there might oh. be CG uh, to maybe like add the riders or something because I don't remember mm-hmm. if they had the horses in the shot originally. I was gonna say to put your actors even that distance away seems a little no. They didn't. So they didn't have yeah. act. They they wouldn't have had actors if anything. Right. I don't. They never go in close enough that they would have had to use real actors. So they there might mm-hmm. be CG replacement or that those might be just you know stunt people or whatever. But yeah, that is that is a a. a actually they went out and captured uh and, and so many wow. of the environments i know that we talked about some of the questionable effects work in in some of the detail stuff but mm-hmm. I, I think one mm-hmm. of the things that sells this movie to me and where it, it's not the most visually interesting movie in the world let's be honest mm-hmm. like we can mm-hmm. we can put our cards on the table here it's mm-hmm. not yeah it's 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 never you know living up to the standard set by Lord of the Rings, obviously. But I don't right. I don't think it's really trying to be Lord of the Rings either. Right. But yeah. I I think that their commitment to practical effects and their commitment to filming in these real locations, there's there's some of these like you know you mentioned the the ice scenes where they're mm-hmm. they're shooting the the stuff in Iceland there too. Um, I love the the little stuff on the beach when he's trying to attune to the helmet and like. You see the the kind of rocky outcroppings in the ocean, and they're in this little mm-hmm. sandy spot on the beach. Like that's all just just like nice, gorgeous landscape uh, filming. Yeah. Uh, that you know, the, you just don't get like shooting on the volume or whatever. So right. I just wanted to call right. that out and appreciate it. Yeah, I'm glad you did because I, I I promise you I had that question as I was watching it <laughs> a couple times this week. I was like, I wonder if they if, that, if that's a comp- I was sure it's a composite. But, no, um, that's a real. That's or a real maybe shot. it is, you know, because you you did mention the riders. Like the horses, the horses the might yeah. be f- added into the shot, but the volcano is one hundred percent real. It's uh, yeah, that's interesting. I, I like that you picked that. So uh, my second photo here is Daisy Head talking to uh, Tazam, Tazam, Zastam, Zastam. Which just a quick uh, a quick note there. Somehow in the theater, I whispered Zastam to myself. As I was, I don't even know how I knew his name. Just oh, like really? through D and D lore, I had absorbed it, and like as soon as they showed him in the shadow, I knew what his name was. Some in weird the shot that I picked sub- up, or, or the, the yeah, that. yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, in in the shot that you picked up, because I, yeah. I think that's even before uh, they do the flashback, the flashback sequence right? where they yeah. say his where they say his name. Mm. Uh, for some reason in this shot, I like immediately knew who he was. So like props to the filmmakers for depicting him well enough that he was not a character that I was like intimately familiar with, but apparently had picked up enough through osmosis that uh, was immediately identifiable when I saw him on screen, which was uh, kind of weirded me out. <laughs> just yeah, go, just tell, tell me about your shot though i'm sorry sorry yeah, to interrupt you no, 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 just, no, no. i, I just remembered perfect. having it's, that experience in the theater because i think as, as as affected as you were from that i think it was this i mean i didn't know his name but this to me is the creepiest shot of the entire film um i i love the low contrast i like that it's in a wide i like that he's barely visible in that uh, this feels like the stuff of my nightmares. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like when you're just and and, and 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 because it's not in, um, it's not in a close up. We we've talked about death in the wide, and we've talked about this in a couple of episodes. Like I, I brought up Goodfellas and uh, Joe Pesci's character when he's when he thinks he's going to be taken in to uh, be made, um, and he's actually going to be killed. 
when they show the shot, he's in a wide in the garage, and then you kind of see him walk into the room. Uh, we talked about um, Get Out, and when uh, Chris is kind of um, uh, meets the family at the door, it, it's a pullout reveal, but it's all in the wide, and it kind of feel, really feels yeah. ominous and, and similar to when. And we we mentioned the the Ridley Scott, uh, you know, talking about Alien, like you know, leaving the the creature in the shadow to let the audience right. do the your, your do imagination fill in and do the work, you know. Yeah, th- this kind of feels. I, I feel like there's there's some of that yeah, here too. Absolutely, like it's just a really haunting disturbing kind of thing like where you just barely make him out in those eyes are just pinpricks uh I, I love this shot i love the feeling that it evokes. yeah so it's like wow that's creepy as hell uh yeah no i think uh, yeah it really speaks to the again the skill of the filmmakers involved there. absolutely so I, i'm what are some other examples um of, throughout the movie because like i said i think that these filmmakers are are you know, exciting. Mm-hmm. I love the way that they're putting this together. So, what are, what are some examples of craft uh, in you know I, that you saw in the movie that you liked? You wanted to shout out? Yeah. Um, so, this is really solid four quadrant, big budget Hollywood action adventure um, film. Explain what you mean by so the four I'm, quadrant. I'm going to get into so uh, uh, where this is going to meet. You know, family, kids, boys, girls. This is this is something. This is all for the whole family. So those those quadrants that market uh, are. Um, market studio execs are going to kind of want you to hit for, for something of this kind of budget. But um, w- the skill set of that and the uh, the culmination of that, of all the crafts, so from writing up until, uh, you know, post and visual effects, uh, maybe, you know, my third favorite scene is that Jonathan's arrival. <laughs> I think it's just good, solid <laughs> screen- screenwriting. Uh, we got to hide a lot of Ed's backstory and... Um, an exposition, and we've talked about like hiding the medicine with the candy. The medicine, in this case, being the, yeah. the exposition and the backstory of why he's here and why they're in the prison, with the candy of you know uh, interrupting each story with you know is Jonathan here? Why isn't he here yet? <laughs> did, did he get held up? Like, Jonathan <laughs> as a name is, a name, is so yeah, precisely hilarious. Thing, right? Just that name itself, and then, and then her screaming the name Jonathan <laughs> as he gets <laughs> Jonathan. It's just it's just weird that, enough and quirky yeah, enough, incredible. but. It, but again, it's getting across a the lot of the fourth wall break. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and uh, you went too far back in the story, like you know what I mean. Like like start start from here. So like <laughs> like all of that is just good, solid, you know, writing, execution, performance. Uh, uh, Jonathan's um, and and we talked a little bit earlier about the um, visual effects of Jumanji bothered you. Why? R- remind me one more time. You were, you were saying it was the oh the prosthetics that I, kind of I bothered. Can, you? I, I forget exactly what it was. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't exactly. Uh, uh, it was the prosthetics, but I I didn't like uh, specify. But oh, yeah, okay. you're 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 you you know exactly what was fucking with me. <laughs> so there's. Uh, I still. Uh, I, I I hold up Jumanji. Like if you look at that uh, the lion scene in Jumanji today, or the the um, alligator scene, or some of the stuff they did with the uh, the monkey prosthetics, it still holds up to me today and looks really really solid. And this to me is another extension of that when you're melding some of the practical effects and the visual effects. So I'm. I'm certain some of Jonathan is uh, visual effects but for a large part of that character I know he's practical it's a man in a bird suit but but yeah. I'm assuming you know some of the eye movement stuff and the feather stuff they're, they're gonna go ahead and uh, uh, composite some of that stuff in with, with visual effects but it just looks really really solid you know what I mean is like a character and a physical being in that space 
and the fact you know that they're That's using surprising. him to uh, um, they're using him to escape. Uh, I just like the thought of Jonathan being attacked not every week but ever so often <laughs> of somebody tackling him out of a window. And he's, and he's Did you see the, the coda at the end? Yeah. with Hugh Grant That's trying. A, That's to a do, bit yeah. too from. Uh, have you seen Hudsucker Proxy? Have you ever seen uh, the um, yeah, yeah, yeah the window bit? They do that exact same. I, I just watched that like two weeks ago. Uh, so when that happened again, that it sort of jumped in my mind. But yeah, good, good. Uh, from from like I said, from the script level up into the performance of of uh, Chris Pine in that in that moment to uh, the execution of Jonathan and, and his reveal, just great, solid four quadrant Hollywood writing and execution. There, I was, I was a big yeah. fan of. Uh, what do you got for us in craft, Sean? I think I, there, you know, there was so many. Um, just like iconic, like fucking film school moves that mm. I think that you could pull out of this movie and show really good uses of really basic techniques, mm. and, and they're always motivated. And it's sometimes not even basic. Sometimes like, uh, like okay, my example, the uh, my runner-up shot that I sent you uh, when they do that one eighty inversion mm-hmm. of um, Reggie's character, Reggie's character. Mm-hmm. Reggae's, Reggae's yeah, character. Yeah. God, fuck! I, I <laughs> completely butchering this fucking man's name. Reggae, I, I, um, we, we, I gotta apologize, brother. Like, <laughs> dude, we I looked at I, like okay. So, it, for the listener, for it, on the raw, on the on the rare chance that the man himself listens to this episode, and for the listener's sake, we we listened. We were looking up like talk show appearances right before yeah. we rolled the recording. We were like recording right before we rolled recording. We're just saying his name out loud to ourselves and to each other, like trying to cement it in our brains. So we really fucking tried. tried. I'm sorry, my dude. We really tried. I've, I really, I'm, I am, I, it is 100% my apologies. Not, not and any. Sean defended you as a performer earlier. I, I know I was a little hard on him, but Sean defended you. <laughs> I may not. I may not be the biggest fan, but Sean, you know. He, I'm just saying, regardless of the performance, like we're not, you know, no, no, no disrespect. disrespect. Yeah, no disrespect. Um, absolutely. This is this is a hard fucking thing to do. Do you know what I mean? Like I couldn't do yes. it. I, I could not do it anywhere near. His, so, his so, so, anyway, yeah. so his 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 intro shot. Uh, they do that 180 uh, spin where they start right. with the camera upside down, uh, but. You know, we, we've seen this in Black Panther. We've seen this in, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the, the gimbals got mm-hmm. it cheap and the cameras got small. We started to see this this kind of shot more and mm-hmm. more. Um, we, we fucked with it on, on the music video yeah, that yeah. We, we shot together. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I feel like this is, I cannot remember another time that I felt like it was as motivated as this one. Where you actually, you're getting a character introduction, so this is the first time that you're seeing him. So you're disoriented, because you're, like, looking to see what this character, you know, you've been looking forward to see what this guy actually looks like, because you've been hearing about him up to this point. So you're meeting him for the first time, so it's disorienting, it's weird, you're, like, kind of trying to depend in on it. And it's also from the point of view of this, uh, like, Viking, you know, ancient soldier who's telling Mm -hmm. the story. And he's just like tumbled oh, off right. of uh, yeah. a little cliff, mm-hmm. and so he's he's literally like on his back looking up, mm. and like uh, then rolls over to look at him. So it is like like straight up a point of view shot of like he's on his back looking behind him, and then he rolls over to see the guy that's approaching him. Uh, so I've just I've never seen this shot motivated before. It's such a showy 
like dick on the table shot right. that is is <laughs> yeah. very hard for me to get on board with and uh i i that was one of the things in the, in this most recent viewing where i was like oh shit they motivated a 180 inversion like yeah that's impressive and, and do you, you know you literally just mean that I, 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 what you said was very clear and 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 and, and um but have we not seen anybody on their back and then the reverse shot of of character walking up into um frame like i like I, i'm thinking like I, like michael mann's thief it's just the the gimbal flip itself is so showy that it, I was just impressed that they found a way to justify doing it. I like that. It, it really just didn't feel quite as showy here. Uh, so the next little bit I wanted to say about uh, the craft of filmmaking in this movie is the prison design. So I know that this isn't, or at least based on the research I did this week, that there wasn't actually a prison in the D&D lore, or at least the prison that they designed for this movie was unique to this film. Uh, but they sat down with, you know, Wizard of the Coast artist and, and uh, designers, kind of like, what would a prison look like in the Forgotten Realms? Um, I, yeah. So I really like the design of this prison, and particularly the egress of the prisoners through the facility, uh, like them locking in that... Um, that uh, the chain the rail yeah, you know what thing? I mean. That that carriage thing. It had yeah, a real Jurassic Park too. feel to it. I don't know if you remember the opening of Jurassic, but like the yeah. Shoot her! I, so I think shoot. Her I, I, I believe that uh, I read an interview with the directors where they they specifically called oh, that out really? as a Jurassic Park uh, homage. Yeah, yeah like it, the, it felt, the opening yeah. scene was supposed right. to be a specifically a, a Jurassic Park reference. Yeah, it feels so like I, it. I believe most of the intricacies of the prison were actually came up with by them oh okay interesting. and then the prison um was referenced in like a D module mm. uh that came out around the same time oh, so okay. like they they basically the because the prison was depicted in the movie like this they added it to uh like the lore in a book where somebody referenced the prison existing so like now that prison exists in D D lore interesting uh which is super fucking cool if i was like i wouldn't i mean the i i think i in the interview uh john francis daly said like i think that might be as cool as anything else like <laughs> it might be as cool as seeing my name on the poster is knowing that i got to add something, something to lore. Like, official dungeons and dragons lore yeah. i'm like yeah i totally get that like that would that i'm not even like the biggest obviously i'm not the biggest fan of wizards of the coast right now mm-hmm. but uh yeah i would be immensely cheesed to uh be able to add something to the hobby like that that'd be so cool uh in in addition to that another jurassic park connection that i found kind of clever was uh the displacer beast and the way that that was handled there's a very similar bit in jurassic park with the mm. clever girl <laughs> him looking at yeah, the yeah. raptor in the front and then the raptor kind of attacking him from the side so this is my first introduction to a displacer beast i'd never seen any of this before uh a little silly at first but i kind of really dug um its power set and its um use of diversion yeah I, I don't it, really it's, yeah. it's what does an apex predator look like in a world where like animals have magic and right you know, that's kind of you know a, a really fun way to like okay like how do we judge up a panther you know like panthers are tigers big cats are already right. like apex predators right. like what does that look like in a world where shit's even like dialed up to 11 uh you know yeah, this place my- beast I had another point I wanted to make. Let me let me just make it really quick because it actually folds into what you were just saying. Do, just dovetails nicely into what you were just saying. So uh, they take a similar beat, like we mentioned, with uh, uh, in connection to how do we judge up a panther? There's an owl bear in here, and I'm I'm wondering if 
if the if the idea to combine two animals, if that came from D and D lore, I, I bring this up only because uh, so I'm a big Avatar: The Last Airbender fan, and I know that certain other properties of fantasy or sci-fi have have taken this conceit of of combining two things and making a new animal. Um, what I find mm-hmm. to be a little unfortunate, it feels like for the properties that they draw these ideas from. So another example of this is like John Carter from Mars, like that being a really early sci-fi property that a lot of people have kind of borrowed and stole from. But so when that finally makes it to screen, that kind of feels like the derivative work. You know what I mean? <laughs> we, yeah. We've already seen yeah. examples of it stolen. So when I saw the owl bear here or the, the uh, displacer beast, which is like a, a, a panther with a Venus fly traps on its on its back, like I'm wondering, yeah, like. And it's, but I, I, I'm used to that conceit, like I said, from Avatar. I'm like, how much has this been, you know, pilfered from throughout the years to like now that when I see it, like the original thing, I'm like, well, that kind of feels like I, I've seen people now kind of take that to another conclusion. What are your thoughts on that? I, I, I guess is there a so I I think that I mean D and D. I mean that's that's all great artists steal. We've we've just talked about you know re- recently too of like everything is a remix. At Dungeons and Dragons specifically, though, like there are some things that are iconic to Dungeons and Dragons, um, like a Beholder, which is referenced but never seen here, um, and I think maybe Displacer Beast too. But there are some things that are like specifically, like you know, like Dungeons and Dragons monsters, and then there are things that are just like kind of pop culture lore fantasy mm. uh, monsters. Dungeons and Dragons, like in its invention you know gary gygax in a basement doing war gaming and and you know it, it evolving from the the tabletop way that the you know the game mm-hmm. evolved and the you know community around it whatever whatever they were literally taking like toys miniatures models whatever they had laying around and you grab it and you put it on the table and you make up a stat block for it. Mm-hmm. So like some of the monsters that exist in D&D lore existed because Gary Gygax happened to have a two-inch tall version of something that looked like that nearby when he was running a session when he was inventing it. And then, you know, it's... And, and all the other writers, you know, obviously it's way more than just Gary, but... Um, but yeah, so like that that remixing and reinventing and borrowing and stealing from all of the other properties that you have and, and folding them into the story that you're telling mm-hmm. is literally baked into the D&D of Dungeons and Dragons. Like that that is how you tell a story with the game is by remixing and stealing these other elements from the the games and books and TV and movies that you love and watch. Mm-hmm. So it, it it I it's a kind of a uh, it's a recursive cycle machine mm-hmm. of like it's it's constantly snaking its feeding own tail. in old <laughs> things, coming up with new things, and then that goes out and inspires, and people remix that and bring it into their own things. I mean, that's like Elder Scrolls is you know a video game series inspired by RuneQuest, which is a tabletop game, which is inspired by Dungeons and Dragons, which is inspired by to- you know it's like. All these stories get get remixed and and repackaged, and, and then people take them apart and dissect them and deconstruct them and use them to tell their own stories. Right. And you know that's the that's the you know, beautiful part of the of the medium that we've chosen to. Is there a way then to with. to make so if it's been um, if it's been pillaged throughout the years, is there, is there a way to make it feel fresh or new? I I want to say that that's why, in large part, maybe John Carter didn't work. 
Um, and not why it doesn't work here. I think it, yeah. it, it works in large part here. But when I did see the owl bear and I did see, I'm like, I've kind of yeah. seen that before. Like, is there a way? So yeah, you are the originator. Yeah. But when we bring them to the big screen now, do you feel like? Did it feel as fresh to you? Do you did you have that sort of reaction? Do you not? Do you, you're so in, entrenched yeah. in the lore, so maybe this doesn't affect you in the way that it affects. I, that's why, like the 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 time stop, uh, the time stop shot that I picked. I mean, that's why I picked that is because that's a that's a spell that I'm familiar with the mechanics of, mm-hmm. and that's a way to interpret the mechanics of that spell in the physical world mm-hmm. that I had never thought of before. Mm-hmm. And so that's like a cool thing to see depicted in film. Yeah. Whereas, like an owl bear isn't is an owl and a bear together and I know what that looks like and so it's not really that exciting to see depicted mm. uh in CG unless you do something cool and inventive and new with it and you know they they try to do the one sequence where they're they're you know she's wild shaping into yeah. all these different animals pretty awesome sequence escape. I like that sequence and, a lot and, and it's a it's a cool sequence mm. for sure it, it it fucking rips um but yeah and I think that that's their attempt to do something fresh with it but like yeah I think that's where where like the owl bear itself isn't exactly a fresh take, mm-hmm. um, but I do think that they do those like fresh takes with um, like iconic D and D stuff Other elsewhere elements. in the movie. Yeah. What else you got for us for uh, craft and filmmaking, Sean? Uh, you know, like more more of the simple stuff that I was saying. Um, I, I'm a lot like real quick. I I absolutely you know we've been um, kind of. Uh, ripping our our boy reggae's uh performance but the the like soft push in on him when he like grabs the dragonborn's hand and says like jankily to you as well my friend uh like that that absolutely got a laugh out of me and it's oh was that played for comedy oh yeah absolutely i didn't know i thought it was supposed to be sincere it's so funny i i get i fucking like laughed out loud on that because like, because it is like i i get why i get why you i didn't know that's felt it. like we're i i get why you were unsure about that yeah. because of the tone but yeah. i feel that's what that's where i mean like his character is in a different movie right. where like right. The sh- the shots of him are like treated one hundred percent sincere. Mm-hmm. Where like even when he did that part, there's like a soft push in yeah. on him. Yeah. But then that it like hangs on too long, so you see Doric standing behind him, going like, "What the fuck?" Uh, and so it's like it, I don't know. I, that that shot absolutely like got a laugh out of me. There, but there's another quick. Um. Uh. There's a push pull on Chris Pine when the chain snaps in the underdark mm-hmm. that is like literally a split second and they they do it in like i i don't know if they do it physically or not but i, I have a feeling that they actually did you know a nice little push pull there and it, it was just like there it was literally him looking up and realizing like oh shit that chain is snapping and is now falling mm-hmm. and they you just get a quick moment of realization where they do a push pull on him and that's just some like classic fucking film technique shit right that but they they did it you know at a moment of realization mm-hmm. they didn't call they, it it's not like a a second and a half long one it's like maybe a half a second you know quick cut mm-hmm. um but but yeah just just beautifully done like fucking uh and motivated you, know, you had brought up motivation being yeah, and, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. just exactly that's what i was trying to say is yeah, like yeah. always and, and always motivated what, did you have a bit that speaking of um i i, I know you didn't prep this so yeah, i'll give you yeah. a second um 
But is there a bit that worked particularly well for you? Like I was just saying, the like jankily, uh, jankily to you as well joke, like made me cackle. Like can 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 you recall a particular uh, bit or joke that worked for you? I loved uh, Chris Pine um, uh, doing like the real. It felt like the more traditional Harper distraction dance for the cops like where he comes in he like does the hop and skip with the, <laughs> with the uh it's, it's not oh, it's, yeah. it's the hop and skip with the uh not not a ukulele what, what, what would that be the uh little, the loot is it a loo that's what it is a loot a loot l-u-t-e a loot. loot uh that was fucking funny it, not even so much i i, I think it is the, the whole space kind of distorting is funny but it's more the distortion of, it's more yeah. of just how sincere he was when he came into the scene and did the hop and then started walking <laughs> and i was like just to see him do that on set that day <laughs> had to be so oh funny my god shit. yeah he he's definitely <laughs> you know we were talking about his performances so good in this movie like he's not afraid to put himself out there right. and be a little emasculating yeah. and be the butt of the joke like <laughs> Uh, he's he's fucking great in this. The hop and skip. I can picture it in my head. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. It's such a good little <laughs> bit of physical comedy. He that that moment when with the distortion and everything had right. the theater just cry. That was oh, I think really? that was the moment that I think the theater was like absolutely losing their shit laughing <laughs> when I, I saw it. It's funny. That was a funny bit. My my favorite joke uh, was an absolute like super inside baseball, uh, like deep cut joke. Okay. But it's when they're when they're in the underdark, they just picked up uh, the paladin. They got the full group of them, and you know he's exp- they're coming up on those uh, their intellect of ours. Okay, just oh yeah, with legs. Yeah, they'll eat anybody. Who's- I, I I had literally just like if I had been taking notes, I would have just written a note down. I remember like having the thought of like all of these characters are charisma characters. None of them are intelligent. You know, like if, if I'm thinking of this as a D and D game, <laughs> I'm imagining all of their stats. And I'm imagining the group stance, and I'm like, none of these characters have any intelligence at all. Like, all of them use intelligence as as a dump stat. This is the dumbest group of characters. And literally, like, five minutes later in the movie, they used that, like, internal D&D logic as a joke for the intellect of our is, like, passing them all up because they are dumb. And it was 100%, like what would have happened because those characters all would have used intelligence like it is like charisma wisdom charisma wisdom strength like uh it's so funny so funny (laughs) that's good i like that and even if you again i knew nothing or my mind wasn't working like that in the moment and that that beat works for me too i think that's kind of funny (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, it's a joke it's a joke that lands no matter what but it just had the the fact that i had said that to myself like five minutes before and then they they came up with a a way to make a a fucking amazing joke out of it was like yeah great (laughs) do you have anything what's, what's the best use of sound in this movie that's not a not music uh the 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 doubled audio when they're carrying around the speaking stones the little walkie talkies okay. that they have okay they use the one joke okay. with the feedback well, which why did that impress little, you so like, much why anachronistic did they, like uh, feedback why did that catch your eye 
Oh, I just love the com- the commitment to the bit where uh, when there's two characters in a room that have the walkie talkies on them, they double the audio oh, so it has I like see. a slight okay. reverb. Okay, all right. <laughs> so there's just a, there's a like commitment to thinking about the internal logic yeah. of uh, of who's doing what and who's holding what and and how that's interacting with the the environment that like makes things feel real. Uh, and yeah, just that that tiny little bit of like two people are in the same room and someone's talking to them. Mm. So the audio has like a little extra reverb on it because it's coming out of two speakers at once. It's like, uh, it's funny cause it's like everybody in the audience knows how walkie talkie sounds. So right. like you internalize that without thinking about it, but that's not like obviously a thing that would be, that'd be like uh, the first thing normal to include in a fantasy movie. Yeah, exactly. So like, it's cool. Uh, I, I do actually want to maybe tag on the sound. Um, I believe it's, uh, Sarah, Amankwaka, Amankwa, Sarah Amankwa as Baroness Torbo and her line reading of Jonathan. I think that was probably my favorite. Use. <laughs> Jonathan. Jonathan. I lo- her every time she ha- anything that she does, she's amazing on screen. Like her her facial expressions, her line reading. Like I love the the shock reveal that she's like a halfling or whatever. Yeah. Where she you know we see her right. and she's like tiny. I was like, oh Jesus, that's even even more jarring uh, of a character it's like i yeah i want to i want a mini series all about her <laughs> and her revelations about what jonathan's up to uh is there anything you you learned you got any takeaways uh from this movie i did i did uh we must never stop failing because the minute we do we fail that's a fucking bar dog <laughs> <All right>. yeah <laughs> i mean get that tattoo that goes with our ethos that goes with our ethos here failed filmmakers. Like, yeah i was like yeah let's keep failing brother hell yeah uh did it stick the landing what do you think sean I think it did. Honestly, like there's a point where it, it's going into its second climax. Uh, and I'm mm-hmm. like, ooh, is this overstaying its welcome? But, you know, you get the good old fashioned uh, like D&D turn based fight where it's like the four of them versus the wizard. And they do some some real classic like D&D action. But the and then the emotional landing of using the, the tablet with with uh with helga like how how did that land for you uh i'll answer that as 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 i'm elaborating in in the question i i think it does so honest honestly it it worked for me in the moment like i was shocked at like how how much like i you know you see it coming you don't see it coming whatever like uh i i thought it was a really like touching well-handled moment um i love that you know, you know that it's gonna be a happy ending because that's the kind of the vibe of the movie. Uh, like you don't imagine that they're they're gonna lose. This isn't fucking uh, Infinity War or whatever. Like it's it's not gonna end with them failing and the bad guy winning and them just being like, well, shit. Uh, so, but they they find a way to still make it like morally complex by you know they don't really get what they want, but they got what they needed. Yeah, where you you instead of resurrecting this character who's just been you know this iconic dead wife that you never really get to know and isn't really a person uh to actually have the emotional payoff of the movie be with this character that we've spent all this time with uh it it makes sense for the audience as much as it makes sense for the daughter character uh and i think that's really why it it sticks the landing for me 
Yeah, uh, I, I feel like, you know, in the blockbuster Hollywood sense of the word, you know, everything kind of wraps up nicely. You know, the bad guys get their just due. The good guys walk away happy but forever changed. It, it did just what it's supposed to. I wasn't as emotionally taken with the um, Helga revival as it, as it sounds like you were, but, you know, it, I wasn't bothered by it either. And I really like her uh, line reading of, you wasted it on me. Or it, She even says it less oh, charismatic. Says, why would you do that? Yeah, at the end of that. She says, like, why would do you that? do that? Yeah. And, like, that on, that got that choked me up. The why would you do that uh, reading, like, got, got, got me you. a little bit. Because she, she seems, like, so sincerely, like, happy and confused and a little bit angry but like still celebrate like but, yeah it, she just, but it's she even really more, nailed that it's even more deadpan than i think we're both selling it like the way she reads the line like why would you do that it's kind of more of a of a real deadpan delivery there that i liked a lot and it kind of is in coordinates with you know everything else that you know her line reading is there so yeah I, I, it wasn't an ending that i i you know, again, doesn't reinvent the wheel, but everybody walks away happy and, and you felt good about spending your your, yeah. your money for the next two hours. So, um, yeah, wasn't surprising, but it did what it needed. No. Yeah. I, I mean, I think if anything, it was surprising that it was it a little bit more bittersweet with the, you know, choosing to, you know, take the high road and... and you know, like I, I think that I could see a version of this movie in maybe less, uh, less dexterous hands, where it would be a little bit more straightforward. Uh, you know, the wife gets resurrected, and and they're a big happy family, or or uh, see, you know, see, c- a version of this movie without the dead wife and kid at all. I it's uh, I, I kind of it's it's because one, I think if if I were to improve upon anything, I I would really, or at least with this ending is concerned, um. Kind of, because I didn't. I, I went back. I've watched it twice this week, I, and I kind of went back and, and tried to catch when Helga got stabbed or when that moment happened. And it feels like it happens mm. off screen. Um, so it, it, it was almost one of those things that you kind of feel again the writer's hand behind. Like we need to have a reason uh, to use a tablet here, or it, it just it, it felt a little yeah. too writerly personally for me. So it, it didn't hit it, me that's, in that. That's fair. Yeah, in, in that way. Uh, had we seen her get stabbed or, you know, maybe, I don't know, even as simple as she jumps in front of the the blade so that the daughter doesn't get stabbed or so, something like that. And then that's when we uh, kind of use the thing. Um, but, yeah, like I said, it, I didn't hate it. it. it it You know, I was happy to spend two hours with it. Love the performances. I thought it was uh, I was satisfied at the end. I was like, OK, yeah. You yeah. know what I think is, is a little odd? I wasn't going to bring this up, but I, <laughs> I, of course I couldn't help myself. Um, I'm always kind of. I'm always a little like, like why, if, if you're a sorcerer, if you're a powerful sorcerer in the way that you are, some of the shit that you do, like, I'm going to, I'm just make a real big hand, <laughs> it's going to slap, like, I, I just, I want to understand, like, what goes on in the heads of some of these yeah. fantasy sorcerers well, but, when they have these fights, but I guess the same, could, I, I'll read Green Lantern comics, I'm like, why is this, this whole big dramatic fight kind of loses a little tension or, or dramatic, when you're like, I'm going to yeah. use a big clobbering, or a big hammer fist, or not a hammer, <laughs> a, 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 it's a, silly. a punching, um, a boxing glove gun or something like that, like it's going to pop up, in it. but you know, it's just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Well, this yeah. weird shit that I'm just like, oh, okay, I guess, I don't know. So Bigsby's, <laughs> Bigsby's hand is the sp- is like the name of the spell and it's like mm. it is one of the like iconic D D spells. Like mm. they they uh she calls out Morden Kanan. It's the guy who makes the Morden Kanan's arcane seal mm. is the seal that's sealing the vault okay. or whatever. There's like there's 
a, a very small handful of spells that have a person's name before mm-hmm. them because they're like a person who did something in the lore uh, to make you know some you know create some spells or whatever create some sort of like schools of magic so the hand spell is Bigsby's hand which is Bigsby is like one of the iconic wizards and then Morden Kanan is the one that makes arcane yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I know but I, they don't they don't spend time explaining all this in the movie but I'm saying like that's why Bigsby's hand gets as much screen time as it does because it's like it is one of the like iconic, you know, text spells. Oh, okay. Uh, I it it goes on way too long. I think like, that they should have cut like half of that sequence. I, but like, I think my issue is it feels like stuff uh, adolescent or teenager would think a sorcerer, and not an, an actual an adult magic sorcerer person. Like, if I'm a sorcerer in that moment, I'm not creating i'm just gonna what what projectile thing do i need to do to just send through your heart so that you die immediately and then like, i'm not creating hands and and, yeah. and, 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 and like um animating statues he had already go, used the all, shields yeah yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, the, the statue is a really good tech a technique because it's it's splitting the focus you need that's true that's true know, as the the that, end of the sequence I, I proves like when they can, can all fo- when yeah. they can all focus fire on her and then she's that. fucked up so like yeah, i can buy a little yeah i don't know I, I, they do a really good job in that sequence. I think of there's a couple mechanical D and D things mm-hmm. that they they try and and highlight there. That's like, oh yeah, oh, she's losing concentration and like, gotcha. uh, like you know, okay. there's a, there's a couple little cute okay. nods in that sequence. Um, that uh, that actually is one of the action sequences that I think works the best for me. Oh really? That that last one, the very last one. Yeah. Okay. All right. So who do you think has this Blu-ray on the shelf? Uh. I'm. I think it's actually because we know some big Hollywood players that are super into D and D. So I, I, I'm not sure if that's going to be hard. What I want to ask you is a little bit more complex. Uh, Joe Manganiello. Do you know who Joe Manganiello? Did you ever True Blood? And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's a huge D and D guy. I'm sure you're aware. He's a D and D player. Yeah. Uh, he had a whole before this project reached Paramount. I know he had a whole script for this, or there, at least there's a script floating out there from Joe. Mm. And I know Dwayne uh, uh, Dwayne Johnson was attached to it as well as a producer in, in some way. And um, like I said, this is before it reaches Paramount, and Paramount recasts everything, and they they go with Goldstein and Daily Script. I'm wondering Joe being the big D, and I, like I, I like, I'm not in this universe, and I know that he's a player. Uh, so as big as a fan that he is, you've written a script from it, but then you just had your heart kind of torn out and they take that project over to another studio. Do you buy this DVD, Sean? Do you go see this movie if you're Joe? I, I think you maybe go see the movie. Oh, yeah. Maybe oh, he talk does. shit about I guarantee it a little he bit. Does. Like, 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 I, I he wants to see it. He's got to know. Yeah. He's got to know. I guarantee. I guarantee I if he's got to know. There's no Joe. way. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I go see that if my heart's a little broken. <laughs> he's the... I don't know if I buy that. I don't know if I buy the DVD. I don't know if I'm heartbroken. I'm just like, ugh. Or if I just talk shit about it amongst my my campaign. I, I think it, like, I, he's a he's a big enough like super fan of the franchise and of the medium that I think I, I can't imagine he's not curious yeah. enough to know how it, how it You're went. Probably right. Uh, uh, you know who I think yeah. who I think would have uh, who better have it is either Feige or Gunn. Okay. I'm wondering which one of the which one of them pulls the trigger first. Because these guys were they were pegged to do the Flash. Well, uh, back to wait, Feige or um or Gun. Do you think are, are any of them stated D and D players? Like, do we know if they they play D and D? 
No, I'm but I'm saying I'm saying these directors Yeah, yeah, Goldstein and Daly have written they they wrote, you know, Spider Man mm-hmm. Homecoming right. and then you know, now they're they're working outside of the Marvel stable now. So who who picks them up as a director first? Because the, these guys, like this, is a a very superhero styled movie. I can't imagine that they're not going to make a Marvel or a DC movie very quickly. So it's yeah. ju- it's really just a matter of like what property. When. Well, who would you want to see them with? Like, wh- wh- is there a property Marvel DC that you think that they could be attached to that could be interesting? I mean, I I I was reading. Um, a little bit about because they they were on the Flash movie, mm-hmm. um, like twenty eighteen maybe it was like a long time mm-hmm. ago maybe even for, but uh they were attached to it for like a year and they wanted to do like street level like their their whole idea was let's not do something with like world mm-hmm. ending consequences mm-hmm. which like we've we've talked about you know Flash it was my growing up like my iconic favorite superhero mm-hmm. or whatever. And the that would be like if I got to make you know, blank check got to make a flash movie. Mm-hmm. I would want to do a, a rogues movie because I, that's where I think the the fun of the character really is mm-hmm. is like, you know, getting to know him and his city in the same way that you get to know like Batman and Gotham. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I was I was I would be really excited to hear a little bit more about what their take was for the Flash, and maybe they would have given us a movie that I. Uh, would have actually caught in theaters and been excited about instead of just sadly let pass by me. Um, even though the characters just. What do you think about uh, Wonder Twins? I mean, I don't know anything about them. That's you remember so Wonder I Twins? Could, uh, yeah, Wonder Mm-mm. Twins power activate the rings. I mean, yeah, I I know that's that's the extent of what I know the about monkey? them is what you just said. <laughs> the blue monkey. <laughs> All right, what about Thundercats? I, I I would honestly like I think that uh think they kill it with hmm. Thundercats. Thundercats are yeah. loose. Did it. Thunder 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 Thundercats. I, I think that they did a really good job with the like uh real physical texture stuff in this. Oh movie. you do it like, live action. You, you don't think with those kind of I, yeah, I know. I I want to see them tackle something a little more grounded because mm. they did something so big and fantasy with this, and their take on you know they wrote Spider Man Homecoming for like grounded street level superhero. They were wanting to do something grounded street level with Flash. So even though they did real big here with the the Dungeons and Dragons movie, I, I'm assuming where they go next um, is going to be something. Uh, probably not quite so big budget and a little bit more grounded, and I'm I'm excited to see it. Will be interesting. Uh, your favorite thing associated with the film outside the movie, McGee? What you got for us? Um, so uh, a little little anecdote that I caught. Uh, John Francis Daly, uh, one of the directors and writers of this movie, who I did not realize until doing the research for this podcast that is. The actor John Francis Daly, oh, really? who you know was the 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 kid on Freaks and yeah, Geeks yeah, and yeah. the the main character in Waiting, yeah. and you know like mm-hmm. it, it's just I I even after game night and after picking this episode, like did not realize that until uh, doing the research for nice, this one. Nice. Um, but he he told a little story that I thought was my uh, favorite little anecdote here that he he actually first heard about D and D on the set of Freaks and Geeks. Oh, okay. So that's a crazy 
full circle career moment that as a child actor, his character is playing D and D. So then he ends up playing the game in Mm -hmm. real life and then goes on to write and direct the D and D movie, uh, you know, 20 plus years later. Uh, absolutely bonkers uh, career arc uh, and has to feel absolutely fucking incredible. I like that. Uh, great minds think alike, Sean, because it minds too is coming from uh, one of the directors of the film, Jonathan Goldstein. <laughs> and um, what's interesting about I thought about his antidote uh, <clears throat> uh, was he has an old wound of playing this game with his brother, and I guess he would always end up in the gelatinous cube, and so that's kind of how that ends <laughs> up in the film. And I thought that was kind of creative, like this this old wound that he had that kind of really leads to, leads to a creative outcome and sort of a wink and a nod to insider fans. Um, and Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, just some some of those things that you kind of live with as a kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> you kind of see those things then totally realize as, as an adult. Uh, that, that's kind of interesting. I like and it's a it's a classic like D and D shenanigan too of like trying to bend the rules so that mm. you're technically allowed to do something uh, right. cool. And then the the DM's like, yeah, yeah, I guess that'll work. Like, and then ah, like that's just you know. Jumping in the gelatinous cube and then wild shaping and trying to get out is, you know, classic D&D shenanigans planned. Uh, has this place earned its, uh, I'm sorry, has this film earned its place in film history or has it been, uh, has it been a real look, Sean? What do you think? It, it'll be interesting to see uh, how how history treats this movie or or how the, you know, the studio treats this franchise going forward. Um, you know, it, it. Uh, should we play a little high low? Would you, did you look? Did you look up oh, the budget? Oh, the numbers actually, yeah. Because no, no, no. I was, I was yeah. Please, let's play. Okay, so, so high low budget. I, I hold on. Let me set you up because I do know it made money. I just don't have the exact figure. So when you're picking, when you're, you're trying yeah, to yeah, yeah. adjust the, yeah. the figures, yeah, make, make sure yeah, yeah. Okay, so well, I want. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get, hit you with two two different questions. I'm gonna ask you to guess the budget okay, of the movie, gotcha. and then I'm gonna ask you to guess okay. uh, how much it brought in. So, nice. so high low budget, we'll say, 160 million. I think it was. See, that was gonna be my. I, I thought it was around 160. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the budget was 160 and it made like two something. Um, I'm going to say lower than 160. Ding, 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 ding. 150. <laughs> nice. I nice. cut it close there for you. I didn't make it easy. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I was like, because I was right in the area where I knew it was. I was like, oh, wait, was it, was it high? Honestly, I, it shocked me that, that, that the budget was that high for this movie. Like, I mean, I mean it didn't. It looks good. the The movie looks great. It looks mm-hmm. like every dollar that they spent for sure. Uh, I'm just shocked that they. I want to, dude. Some of the visual effect. I'm like, for 150. Why do your halflings look like? That? Oh yeah, like, the, the halflings look bad. The like, halflings look bad. Yeah, but just, to be, but that's not the only example. There's yeah. a lot of shit like that. I'm like, why for 150 does it look like that? Like the, the greens, I, the I, compositing I in general isn't great. Um, but I just, I'm, I'm mm. mostly. Yeah, you know the visual effects in general. Like, but I, I'm just really happy with. They're not all shitty. Like the Chonky Dragon, I, we can't leave this episode and not talk about the Chonky Dragon. Oh my god, yeah, <laughs> whatever it is, looks look, looks awesome. Like, like that looked great. So certain, you know, where they definitely wanted to pour the money into. Um, 
uh, it it works well. Like the stone dragon at the end of it, that looks pretty great yeah. too. The owl bear, the first sequence of the yeah, owl bear. I mean, the, looks, C- you know, really the CG, too. like the full CG stone dragon and owl bear, like look like full CG characters. Yeah, but but they don't they don't they don't look as poor to me as like I said like the halfling don't look they don't even look like they're in the no, same. No, they look they look bad. That's a very rush. You know I mean? like, they're just yeah, they, like, they're not thinking through. Right. I mean, they're not doing any forced perspective or anything. They're just like straight compositing uh, right. and scaling down stuff. Right. Um it's yeah. yeah, that's 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 really the some of the weaker stuff. I I mostly where I see the budget on the screen is in the like wire work and the mm-hmm. the you know practical effects the practical stunt work like you can tell that there's mm-hmm. a lot of rehearsals and everything's very tightly coordinated um mm-hmm. that that's where you really see like the the big but the big budget like uh production uh in play um gotcha oh so yeah so we said 150 million budget uh mm-hmm. what do you what do you think the the box office is then uh you you said you already knew about how much it made. I have a rough a rough idea, but like you you when you hit me with the one sixty, that kind of threw me off. So I suggest doing something like that because I I can't remember the exact number. I was trying to pull it up like before you started the game, but I'm, I'm glad you did. Okay, this so uh, uh, over under two hundred. I think it was over, right? It wasn't like two. Yeah, two two oh eight two oh eight. That was easy. I gave you yeah, I gave you yeah. a, a lob there. Yeah, nice. I'm the big winner. <laughs> you know this this move this movie made a modest amount of money. Oh, it should have made more. You think? I mean, it it definitely should have made more. It, it went through like a ton of delays. I know because it, it was originally supposed to come out. Um, oh, I, I can't remember. I had it, but yeah, it, it got delayed multiple times. Yeah. It's been in the studio system um, since you know, like for COVID, and then I believe like yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's it's just it's been through the ringer. Yeah. So, I, I I wonder like where the studio goes with this IP. Like, are they going to make continue to make Dungeons and Dragons movies? Are they going to try and continue to make them at this level, or are they going to try it? Like, are they smart enough to diversify a different like? You know, are they going to okay a twenty million dollar movie or or a one million dollar movie that's like in canon? Um, what would you want to see as like, a fan? That, that would be interesting. Like, like, Th- that's what would be interesting to me. Yeah. Would to be to see them because like it's such a it's a unique hobby that is big enough to have an audience, but also small enough to be niche. Mm-hmm. That it would be very interesting to give a reasonable amount of money to you know a smaller voices and see what they do with it uh, instead of you know trying to get Chris Pine. Uh, to head up the franchise, which I, again, I think this movie was was successful, it made, but it made a modest amount of money. Like, I I don't know if they're going to be willing to take another big swing. Mm. Um, even though I would love to see it, you know, we'll right. see. Um, uh, as a layman, I I mean, if again, I'm I'm not a fantasy fan, so if I never if they don't do anything else with the property, it's not going to necessarily bother me, but if there was another one to come out and it was maybe a sequel with these same characters. What are your thoughts on that? Like if they wanted to do Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves too, with, with these, with this cast of characters, would you be on board? And I, by the cast, I mean the main I, team. Is that something you would? Yeah. You would I mean, see? I, 
I think I would only want to see that with this same directing team coming back. Oh, okay. Um, if if they're just trying to do it on the strength of the characters, yeah. I don't, I, you know, like not that right, not that hard up about. I mean, like I like I said, I think Chris Pine and uh, Michelle Rodriguez have really good chemistry mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, Justice and uh, Sophia, mm-hmm. I, I you know less hot about their their performances and their characters but you know not necessarily to the to their uh you know not saying it's their fault just like i just don't really have much of a feeling about yeah. them i mean if anything i think I, i'd really like to see uh rajon jen page get his own film I'd, I'd be on board yeah i think so. I, I thought you would love that like just like a like a nine part uh mini <laughs> hbo mini series I'm, I'm, I'm on board uh you know he just he narrates the whole thing <laughs> Yeah, VO, hard VO. In the volume. I love it. Yeah. 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 Well, it's like a space goes coast to coast, but it's like a wizard of the coast, coast to coast. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, that's our episode of uh, 2023's uh, Dungeon Dragons, Honor Amongst Thieves. So happy you joined us up until this point. Here are some exciting coming attractions. Eric, what are we watching next week? Next week, Sean, I'm excited. We're going to watch a personal favorite of mine. It's 1976's Mikey and Nikki. This is written by Elaine May. Written and directed by Elaine May, excuse me. Um, this is a log line coming from Google. It's, uh, it's as follows. Nikki is living in a downtown hotel room, alone, desperate, and afraid that someone's going to kill him when he calls on his old pal Mikey for help. All right. All right. Sounds relatable. I, You know, I, I don't think I've heard of this movie before okay. i'm excited it's the exact kind of pick i want yeah. uh i i am familiar with elaine may you know comedy legend uh long time partnership with mike nichols mm-hmm. um but yeah this is this is something that wasn't even on my radar so I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into it with you next week yeah nice week brother looking forward to it Hey, if you made it to the end of our show, you're the real MVP, and we want to thank you. If you want to reach out to us, email us at makemewatchpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on all your socials at makemewatchpodcast. Links are in the show notes. If you rate and review, shout out to you. Thanks. I'm going to tell you a little something. Sean doesn't want you to know there's exclusive content on our Patreon page where you can go to support the show, but you didn't hear that from me. Anyway, artwork by Supply Box, theme song by Soul Spy. Coming soon, folks.